Hey everybody, it's the Way of Rock Podcast, episode 36. My name is Jeff, and alongside me is Jack. How you doing, Jack? I'm doing uh, doing all right. I wasn't sure we were going to get this one in. I really wanted to get in a podcast before the end of the month to keep with our two-a-month record, but uh, life has gotten rather busy. You're getting ready to head back to university. Yes, I am. Uh, that's going to be happening this weekend. So, so this is our last in-person podcast for a while we'll be heading back to the zoom format but that means uh video gets to come back it does mean video gets to come back it also means i get to put together powerpoint presentations which is always fun and i uh go back to and you do nothing (laughs) (laughs) going into my extensive uh band shirt collection oh yeah yeah yeah. i'm gonna have to send you some sort of backdrop i'm I'm tired of looking at your your dorm room when we do zoom i see well we'll figure that out we'll figure it out So, what else is going on? Um, I don't think any. Oh, this is what I want. You, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll get into this in a second. You go ahead and do no, your. Get into uh, it now. Well, it, it'll, All right, well, it'll take me out of spon- tangents. Let's so get the sponsor, get the sponsors out of the way. out of the way. We are sponsored by Anchor.fm. Anchor.fm is where you can go to create your own podcast. It's absolutely free. You just download the app. Go to the App Store. Go to whatever the App Store is called in the. In the Android world, I know we've talked about it, but I Google forget. Play Store. Yes, and download that app. You can use that app to record your podcast, or you can just upload a recording, and they do the rest. They find distribution to all the major platforms, and they find you sponsors as well. And I've never brought this up, but you kind of also have a choice with the sponsors that you want to accept, like when. When they find sponsors for you, they basically just show it in the app in your in your dashboard, and then you have final say whether or not you want to use those sponsors. So it's like a advertisement Tinder. You swipe right, swipe right. left. You can just ignore it. You can just say, you know, click not interested. Um, I I've got a thing like we don't do this to make money. This is this is not our job. Yeah, this um, is a little we're, hobby. We're, we're this is a little hobby. We're On just doing side. this for the fun of it. So if we're going to do ads like the one we're doing, I want it to be something that I have used and actually endorse. Um, I, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to just – I hear a lot of – I listen to a lot of podcasts, as you do you, and you can always tell when the host is doing a read and, and they're just doing the read because they're getting paid. You know, the next day they might get something that's totally opposite of that and, and I don't know, I – I, I don't I don't want to endorse something that I don't personally use. I just feel weird about that. That's fair. Yeah. So, in the meantime, I'm just holding out for ButcherBox. <laughs> but yeah, ButcherBox uh, would would be nice. Or just, Schecter. Like, um, I don't know if you follow. You do follow. Oh, yeah. We talk Schecter about this all the time. Schecter, uh, they I, endorse anybody. I, and I've never <laughs> heard their ads on a podcast. <laughs> Literally anybody. There's there's one in I've got in mind. I listen to a comedian who is a very he's he's. He's not a, I mean, he's a guy, he's but, a, he, yeah. but he's not a guy's guy. Like, okay. he doesn't like sports. He's very kind of intellectual, into comic books. Ain't nothing wrong and, with comic books. And old horror movies, and he couldn't tell you who the Dallas Cowboys were or the San Francisco Giants. It's just not, it's just not his bag, which is fine. But he does ad reads every now and then for the gambling, the sports gambling sites. And I know he's never been on a sports gambling site, so it just sounds awkward. And yeah. I don't want to do that. Um, I was just going to say something, but then I... Nothing against the sports gambling sites. They haven't asked. But. <laughs> um, I was going to say something, but I, I lost my... my but I, I, I did want to throw that out there in the middle of my read for Anchor.fm. You can choose who you want to sponsor on your, uh, on your podcast. So go to the website, Anchor.fm, download the app, and get started absolutely free with your podcast. Do it now. All right, let's get into your rants. Okay. Well, this isn't a rant, actually. Oh, this is too um bad. Oh, that's what I was gonna say. Okay, before I get into that, I have two things. Oh, wait, are we in the air? We are. Okay. <laughs> so uh one, um, just a little minor thing that I thought was worth mentioning is that uh Matthew Heafy of our favorite the podcast favorite band Trivium just uh unveiled his New signature Epiphone model. Oh yeah, I saw that. Very um, good looking guitar. Yeah, he's got the white and the black model. He, they they were kind of rocking with the black uh, model 
since I I don't know what album it started. It was um, it it's a newer thing. It hasn't like it, it in the last five to ten years. But um, and then Silence in the Snow came, and they started introducing the white ones. Um, they got some seven strings in there. Now um, riddle me this. It's an Epiphone guitar. Yes. Epiphone, as people may or may not know, is kind of the the lower end of Gibson. Yes. It's you know, if you if you don't want to spend a couple thousand dollars on a on a Gibson, you get the Epiphone version for less than half of that. Yeah, le- less than a thousand for most of them. So when somebody like Matt Heafy has his own Epiphone model, does that raise the price of an Epiphone drastically? That's um is I don't know if I necessarily have an answer for that, but I I I am intrigued by it cuz I'm cuz uh my little I don't want to say conspiracy theory, but my theory is that it's an it's a Gibson guitar with the Epiphone name because right. you're, you're like Trivium's not the biggest band in the world, but they're a they're a real band. Right, right. And I mean, we we have a we have an Epiphone. It's a, granted, it's a cheap Epiphone that we got on Black right. Friday. Oh, we have several Epiphones. We do. I forgot. And, we have and they're fine guitars. They're fine guitars, but they they there's a little few things like about them that are a little sketchy. That right. I can't imagine that they're giving and to the front. I of have Trivium. also heard those same complaints towards actual Gibsons of this made in made in the last you know yeah several years. So. Yeah. Your theory may be correct. They might be making them all in the same place. Yeah. And- so I, I am curious because I, I just can't see them. I, I can't see them uh, just giving them like a, a cheapy Epiphone guitar, or whatever. For that, I think like he's endorsed by Epiphone, but I'm curious if it's like a higher echelon. Well, of now Epiphone. you know they were talking about this. I, I actually remember several years back, Slash had a signature Epiphone, and I think it was in partnership with Guitar Center because. Those guitars were this. all over Guitar Center, and I remember that being like a two hundred dollar guitar. Yeah. Now and at the same time, Slash had a signature Gibson that was like thirty five hundred dollars. Yeah. Um. And I'm and I'm I'm in on that because like um, and I think in th- this might this might just be me making things up, but like Sinister Gates is a uh, signature Schecter. You can buy that. Basically, I think it's in the range of six to seven hundred dollars. I have a hard time believing that Sinister Gates playing is playing a six to seven hundred dollar guitar. Right, right, right. Like he has yeah, he's got the real shop. version, right, right? And then they they make the cheapy version that's of the same look, and then they sell it. And I, I think that's the same. Does, does Schecter have a low end brand? I not don't th- that I think I'm aware of because they Schecter was started by I think a Fender guy. Um, Schecter used to make parts for. Either Fender or Gibson, I'm probably screwing it all up, but that company was was an offshoot of one of those big brands. Yeah, um, but they I, do endorse literally everybody. I don't think they do because um, they they you go on the Schecter website and there's you, you'll find a couple like expensive two thousand plus dollar guitars, but then you're also going to find a bunch that are three fifty and below. So I think. There is like a lower brand Schecter, but it's just under the same name. They, there's no, they don't uh, have the two brand system. Right, they just, right, right. Because I like when I was a kid, I would look at Schecter guitars all the time, and the ones that I could afford as a kid with lawn mowing money. Um, I think like they have their cheap guitars. I think it's just uh, they do. They're that. good looking guitars. They are. I do like Schecter guitars? I I I'm gonna officially say I've never owned one because. <laughs> I, that doesn't count. Um, I owned one for like what three days, two days, something like that. Um, what's crazy is whenever we traded that in, I didn't even like use that money to get another guitar. I just kind of <laughs> sat just on pocketed it. it. Um, that's a that's a fun story. But uh, I've always really really enjoyed a Schecter. I think in the future, whenever I like when I get money, like real money, I think the first thing I'm gonna do is is get a Schecter Sinister Gates model, just because. That's one of the prettiest guitars you can find. But that's uh, Matthew Keefe-Heechie's... I said that wrong. Matt Heafy of uh, The Way of Trivium. So so whenever we say things wrong, apparently we're going we're gonna to catch flack for it on the internet. Yeah. So our, our friends over at the Rock Matters podcast, which I found out is local. They're, they're right across town. Okay. And you can find these guys over at, at Itch Rocks, 
or itchrocks.com. That's itch like scratch and itch rocks.com. And they gave us some good natured ribbing on Twitter last week because we purportedly don't know how to pronounce the title of the new Seether album. And I'm going to be honest with you now that I'm looking at the title, I not only like was I wrong. I specifically. <laughs> not only was I wrong, I was like, I, I remembered it wrong. Um, so I, I the last part's Parabellum. We know that. Um, but it's it's Sevis Passum or P- I, I was, we might have to edit this right out. I was really confident that I had it right. The funny thing about it is, it's funny for us to mispronounce things. Yeah, we it, it, it's it's almost like a bit that we do a lot. It on is, purpose. and and I probably get it because Howard Stern does it. He mispronounces like Angelina Jolie, and he just says things wrong, and it's. It's funny, and it's even funnier when people call up and, and correct him on it. So it's just kind of a, a weird running joke with us that we just pronounce things wrong. We just we, we, we say things wrong, we pronounce it wrong. It's just part of our weird sense yeah. of humor. So we're not idiots. However, we also don't do any research for this podcast. <laughs> we, we literally come into this cold, and part of that is by design. A, we're not journalists. So Hi, kind, kind of. Kind of. Uh, yeah, we're not. <laughs> But I I kind of approached this podcast as a t- uh, like a young rock and roll fan. Now you are a young rock and roll fan, yes. But you live in a completely different world that I did when I was a young rock and roll fan, yes. When I was a kid, we would go to the record store and and buy the brand new album by you know, Van Halen or, you know, Motley Crue or who, whoever. And it was then fun for us to take it home, open it up, listen to it while you read all of the information on the album. You would find out who played on it. You would find out who the producer was. Some albums had the lyrics printed on them. Some albums had, you know, a, a whole thank you section where they thanked all their friends and family and DJs and you know you'd find out that you know some guitar player was friends with you know Magic Johnson or something like that and you would thank him on the album so that was kind of a cool thing but at the same time once you were getting all this information while you're listening to this new album that was all the information you got there was no Twitter there was no Facebook or Instagram so you 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 didn't see you know, Nikki Six's home life back then, which I imagine was mostly just being locked in a closet doing coke and heroin. But either way, he didn't, you know, take pictures of those and distributed them throughout the entire world. Rock stars were, were a total mystery back then. And it was only later on when they started writing books and doing more interviews that you would find out that, you know, like the Kiss albums, the Kiss Alive albums had a bunch of other musicians playing on them because... You know, maybe Ace couldn't make it to the studio that day or, you know, he couldn't couldn't do his thing. So you'd find out all of these things later on. But when you're 16 or 15 or whatever and you just brought the record home from the record store, you didn't know all this. And you couldn't put on a Zeppelin album and then tweet Jimmy Page and say, dude, what was the story behind this? You, you just didn't have that access. It didn't exist. So you would sit there as dopey kids and just kind of you would just kind of talk about it. You'd just be like, oh, what, what's going on here? What's going on here? How do, you, how do you pronounce this? Why? How come Led Zeppelin song titles are never in the songs? <laughs> and so on and so forth. And you don't have that now. You literally have every little bit of information right there on your phone. Except for the pronunciation of the Seether album. Except for the pronunciation of the Seether album. It's in which, a different language. It's out of our control. Which can easily be found. But part, you know, part of me doesn't care. But I especially just like I said, we're not we're not journalists. If we if we pronounce something wrong or get a title wrong or say something wrong or whatever, I I promise me we did no research on it. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I go a lot on memory, and you have a better memory than I do. I do, and um, this Seether album, it's I I know that that is a phrase used by soldiers um yes and it 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 means something and i knew what it meant like i'm like a month ago uh 
and this sounds goofy, but if you've ever seen the two that I know you haven't, but to anyone that's ever seen the 2004 uh, Punisher movie, they mention it. I don't know what part of it, but the the Punisher uh, says the phrase and he says what it means. I think it's right before the the grand finale of it, but um, that's kind of whenever I I heard it, and then somehow through there, um, I got the first part mixed up, and I I uh, I thought instead of I thought it was a La Civic, and I was really confident about that La Civic Parabellum. <laughs> I was all excited, but I was wrong. So that's all right. So yeah, thank you to the guys over at the Rock Matters podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the shout out on Twitter. We know it was all in good fun, and, and we, we had fun with it ourselves. While I'm at it, because I seem to be in this little Twitter mention group now with with other rock podcasts, I want to give a shout-out to the guys over at the Rock Savages podcast. Yes. These guys, these guys are hustlers. They work hard. They constantly put out content. You can find them at Rock Savage Pod. That's on Twitter. I think they've got the same handle over on Instagram. I believe they do. But, yeah, do check those out. Rock Matters at itchrocks.com and the Rock Savages guys over at Rock Savage Pod. They've both got podcasts. They've both got lots and lots of Twitter content. We're more over on Instagram. Those guys are over on Twitter. We're, we're more of an Instagram podcast, but I make my way over to Twitter every now and then and try to join in the conversation. Yes. All right. So I'm oh, going to be, before we get into uh, this one, I wanted to give a little run back because um, I think we mentioned whenever this kind of when it was announced and when the singles dropped, but then that it kind of completely fell off my radar afterwards. Uh, Killer Be Killed had an album in November they come out. Um, it was called Reluctant Hero. And I listened to it, I think, for the first time top to bottom the other night at the gym. Um, and for those that don't know, Killer Be Killed is a super group, and it has guys. It has um, it has Troy Sanders from Macedon, Max Cavalera from Sepultura. Um, what's his other band? Oh no, never mind. The Cavalier Conspiracy. Um, then they also got Greg uh, Puciato from Dillinger Escape Plan. Those are the three singers, and I'm trying to find the last name, but I don't see it. Um, but it, it's a super group, and it's three vocalists. It's really cool. They have a really cool sound. Um, and I listened to this first album for the first time the other day, and it's a really, really, really good album. So, uh, and when, and when, when did that? Is that brand new? Yeah. So I know November. you played it for me the other day. Okay. So November. It did, yeah, it's fairly new. Kill or be killed. Killer be killed. Killer be killed. Killer be killed. Yes. Gotcha. I yes I, um, but yeah, it came out the other night. Or the not the other night. I listened to it the other night. It was really good. So. Uh, I've been listening to it enough times to like give a full little review, but I did want to mention that um, I completely forgot about it. But I, yeah, we can talk about that on the next episode. Remembered it, and I thought it was awesome. And it might be, uh, it's a little too late to throw things in the in in the top albums of the year, but it is one that I think would be mentioned just off Killer Be Killed's work in the past. They're they're a great band, but other than that, so we've got two early strong entries for yeah. album of the year. I um, think. And this this is weird. We we featured Painted Wives singles all through the last half of last year. Yeah. So we were anticipating this album coming out for a good four or five, six months. And it was like and it was well, and three we, or four singles. Like it was, yeah. Five maybe. several singles. So when we do our albums of twenty twenty one, the anticipated albums of twenty twenty one, we forgot to mention Painted Wives. Yeah, uh, completely fell off our completely. radar. I blame Loudwire because we were using their list <laughs> as, a, as a base. And we also forgot about the Dead Daisies, which we'll also talk about today. Yeah. But this new Painted at Wives album finally came out a couple of weeks ago, and it's really, really good. Yeah. Uh, so once uh, give a little intro to Painted Wives again, just because they're, they are quite unknown. But um, I discovered Painted Wives... Years ago, when they opened up for Lacuna Coil at a club show, um, they were the first band on the bill, and it, like the other bands on this bill were it was Painted Wives, Nine Electric, if you've ever heard of them, Stitched Apart, and then Lacuna Coil. So like, and for, Painted Wives played first. Play, Painted Wives played first, yeah. Okay. Um, and then I remember like they were playing, and it's just four dudes with long hair, 
down-tuned guitars, killer riffs, really cool vocals. And I was like, this is awesome. I went home, uh, looked them up, found their album, Obsessed with the End. I listened to the crap out of it for maybe, because that album came out in 2015. So about five years now. That's That was their only album. I, and I've listened to it so many times. Then following them on social medias, like two years ago, I, they were... They kind of like, oh, yeah, we're back in the studio. They were posting videos of riffs and whatnot. Then about mid-2020, they kind of deleted all or archived all their posts on social media and kind of started new that some bands do whenever they're anticipating um, a release. And um, they released Truth and Consequences. And I was like, all right, new music from uh, from Painted Wives. They ended up releasing, like we said, four or five singles. Um, finally, on January 15th, so about two weeks ago, this album came out. It's called New Medusa. And it is, it is super cool. Um, and we have we are a little unsure of the uh, the track listing because it's switched up on us. So we had one, and then it, I, I was listening to one, and that's not what we're looking at now. So I don't know what the lead in track and all that stuff in the closing track and all that is. We didn't have to deal with that in the album days. We didn't. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna talk about it as if the way that I, the times that I listened to it at first, my first listen through, um, in which. The first track on the album was Long Time Coming, and the last track was Shangri-La, which I think both of those were really, really good choices for that. Um, but the track listing we're looking at now has those as the fifth and sixth cuts. So, like I said, we don't, we don't, we're not sure there. But uh, yeah, this album is awesome. I don't, I don't know what genre I would label it as. As if you're like looking, kind of what it is. It's well, it's a metal album. It's a metal album. I don't, but like. I know some people like yeah, to don't, hear sub Don't fall in that subgenre trap. I just uh, trying to don't do it. It's a metal album. <laughs> it's a metal album uh, with a little bit of doom metal, but it's a metal album. Um, and the lyrics are cool. The I don't. I'm not sure if there's a concept album or anything like that, but it it is very. I don't know if I want to say dark, but like cellular eclipse new medusa crystal abyss long time coming truth and consequences liar el dorado heat see wet dawn downstairs like they're all kind of relatively dark titles um the riff's really cool i think my favorite song is either long time coming or el dorado heat that one uh that one's really cool i think the chorus of that song is really really cool um these guys, you, you say there's four members of the band, or there was when you saw them. Um, do they do a twin guitar? They do. Thing? Okay. Yeah, the lead singer um, plays guitar. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so then, they they do have that twin lead going. I was wondering if it was that, or if they were just doubling the guitar. Yeah, but, they they have the twin lead. Um, which I'm a big fan of. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you got you got twelve really really good songs here. Um, but yeah, I, I think the I think the big thing about Painted Wives is I think their riffs are really cool. Um, maybe like not as a full band, but their riffs are very in that like doom stoner metal kind of like uh, high on fire kind of vibe where it's it's like heavy, not necessarily like speed fast, but it's it's heavy, it's sludgy, and uh, sounds really cool. And then. He's got an awesome. He's got a killer voice. Awesome voice, yeah. And and that's one of the big things I like. I always wonder, you know, we've talked about the Cookie Monster vocals over and over again, and I always wonder what some of these bands would sound like if they just ditched that and got a, you know, traditional metal lead singer. And Painted Wives does that for me. Yeah, and and they don't really ever have. I don't think they ever do any any Cookie Monster at no, all. No, no, not at all. Um. But yeah, they're and I'm I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, no disrespect to the bands that do that, but yeah, if that went away forever and and we just went with regular lead singers, I'd be like, oh, okay, I'm fine with that. But uh, and also, I think this album cover is also really cool. The black, um, I think they have a really. I like their logo a lot, like the the font that they have. But then they got Medusa on or New Medusa, I guess on the on the album cover. It's really cool. But that's a great song too, New Medusa. Yeah. That that might be my top pick of the album. I do like, and as you said, the the track listing that you saw for some reason is different than the one that I've been seeing, and I've been listening to it at the gym. And this the way it opens with Cellular Eclipse, and that's a, just also a, a really cool, song. A solid, solid opening song. 
But yeah, New Medusa is just a great tune. Yeah, and I and I'm always hesitant to uh, say that my favorite songs are one of the singles because yeah, you sound like a poser. Yeah, and not even that because I don't as as much as I love Painted Wives, I don't think there's a such thing as a Painted Wives poser quite yet. But um, <laughs> uh, the thing with 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 them is that I we listened to like or at least I did I listened to the crap out of all five of those singles all last year so um and that was the really cool thing about the original track listing that I had is it was, it was the singles were very bottom heavy so the first time you listen to it you you had about six songs before you heard one that you knew um I think liar was like the fifth one so maybe you you heard one song but other than that most of them were at the bottom Shangri-La was the last song uh truth and consequences the device both lower down there so it was it was uh, I I did like that track li- track listing a lot, but yeah these yeah I, this uh, is a band and and you've seen them live, but I I, I got to think they're probably at a level now that if concerts were happening and hopefully they start they would be maybe the the opening act on a on a show at Pops yeah um, which for those of you not in our area is like a an eleven hundred capacity bar it's where um it's where we've seen trivium and avatar, avatar a few times i saw like Go- label society yeah i saw gojira there so that kind of level of yeah. uh notable metal bands but still restricted because they're metal bands. Ba- back in the day motorhead always played there so yeah that's new medusa by painted wives i don't really have much to say about it other than like everything about this album is really cool the riffs the vocals the lyrics i i think it's a it's definitely an early contender for our 2021. Yeah, we waited for it for several months, which still annoys me that we we skipped over it when we talked about our albums of the year. But as we've noted, we don't do any research. Yeah, we, <laughs> we, we go in cold. We 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 get together that day and say, "Hey, do you want to record today?" And, <laughs> and then we do. Throw it together. Uh, it's called winging it. It is. So yeah, if you if you haven't yet, right after you listen to uh, the rest of. The Way of Rock podcast, episode 36. Go uh, turn on New Medusa by Painted Wives and give it a listen. Awesome. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the new Dead Daisies. We are back with the Way of Rock podcast with Jeff and Jack. This is episode 36. Who knew we would last 36 episodes? So uh, we're, we're nearing the end of our athletic prime here. Yes, we are. Some podcasts do seasons. Yeah, um, I see that. I don't know how I feel about that. Well, I get it. The podcasts that that are like research heavy, I, I get those. I feel like they need to. Yeah, um, they need time off to to begin. You know, the production work, the pre production work. We have no research, no production. Yeah, and I, I guess it it does make sense. Um, for I guess like. When I would used to listen to uh, some of those sports shows on the podcasts, they would uh, they would advertise for like season two of Zodiac or something, one of those. Right, uh, right. Pod- no, and they, and they th- just th- have that to would make sense. And, the, and but also when they're at the level where they're getting Fox Sports One to uh, advertise them, it's also to build uh, right. anticipation stuff. Like, so I get it, and it's like marketing it like a TV show, which I guess is fine. But and and as I've said many times. I've always viewed this as just being a hang, just you know, just like you were in the car on the way to a live show or home from the record store with the brand new record. My my one of my good friends in high school, I still remember to this day when the the first single from Van Halen came out with Sammy Hagar as the lead singer. Why can't this be love? I, I I remember to the day we were driving to school and our local rock radio station announced that they were going to play it and they gave the time because radio stations used to do that stuff back then. And we literally pulled over. It was raining. We just pulled over into a parking lot and sat there and waited until that song was played. And then we talked about it for like the rest of the morning on the way to school. And and again, that it's just it. I've always viewed this as that just capturing the conversation of of people who just dig music, rock and roll, talking about that rock and roll. Are you we're, set? We're not, we're not reporting on anything. We're not, you know, it's it's just a hang. Are, are you sad that you didn't have a podcast to talk about uh, Jump whenever it came out? <laughs> I was 14 
when Jump came out. I've told you this story before. We were it came out New Year's Eve. So December 31st, 1983, midnight going into 1984, which was of course the title of that album. MTV, which back then, for all you kids, used to play what they call music videos. You couldn't just go on YouTube and find out whichever video you wanted to watch. You had to wait until MTV showed it. Now, if you were a Michael Jackson fan, that would happen about every 15 minutes. <laughs> but if you were a rock and roll fan, it was you waited a little bit longer. But at midnight on December 31st, New Year's, New Year's Eve, MTV world premiered the video for Jump. Now, I love Van Halen. That is my least favorite Van Halen song. That is the, uh, to put it into terms that you would understand, Ghost, that is the, uh, that is the rats of... <laughs> Over Kiss the Go-Goat? Uh, kiss the yeah. don't, dis- that don't disrespect rats like that. <laughs> That's a great song. But, and, and Jump, I'm sorry, it's just a terrible song. It's a great video because reportedly they spent more money on beer at the shoot of that video than they did anything else. And, and it shows. It's a funny video. It's fun to watch. It's just a terrible song. And I was, I was very disheartened when Sammy joined the band. He always said he would, they, would, they you know, of course, did a lot of David Lee Roth era songs. And Sammy sang the crap out of him because he's a, a billion times better singer than David Lee Roth is. But he always said he would never sing Jump because I think he thinks it's a stupid song too. Um, the last time I saw Van Halen with Sammy, this would have been like 1995, um, before Sammy left the band. And I know he got back together and did a tour with them later on. But the last time I saw that band as a band, not only was the show rather subpar, but they did jump, which, which bummed me out the rest of the night. So fair enough. there we are. I did not mean to get on a, on a, on a rant there. We are. This is a pro Van Halen podcast. It is. We love Van Halen. Uh, and I'm not even a, a pro Sammy, pro David Lee Roth Van Halen fan. I view them as two different bands. And I love them both. I do acknowledge that Sammy is a million times better singer than David Lee Roth. And he's a better... He's better live. Like, I've seen Sammy so many times. And I've only seen David Lee Roth once. And I wasn't sure... David Lee Roth knew that there was a band behind him. But you also saw David Lee Roth past his prime, right? Yes, but I have seen many, many videos of Van Halen performing with David Lee Roth from back in the day, and it's kind of the same thing. Okay, It's like David Lee Roth's doing his thing while there's a tight, awesome band playing behind him. And I think that might have probably been what was part of the rift with them was... The rest of the band was like, we're working our asses off here, staying tight. And you're just and talking. You're barely paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm I'm really mean to Van Halen a lot. Uh, but in, in reality, the band of Van Halen is awesome. Eddie, Alex, and... Go ahead. It's fine. Okay. I didn't know... <laughs> Apparently, somebody is printing. Okay. The band of Eddie, Alex, and um, Michael is awesome. Those three are incredible. Um, and as I'm very mean to Eddie all the time, but at the same time, Eddie's one of the greatest guitar players to ever touch a six string. So like, it's always annoying when a song, I don't necessarily know off the top of my head, what songs that David Lee Roth does his little talking thing in all of them, all of them. All right. Cause like a song like Panama is awesome. Right. And he talks in that. Yeah. There's, and, a, there's a whole interlude. Of, and then it comes to then David Lee Roth is talking and you're just like, can you shut up? <laughs> it's like, I... But if you tune that out and just listen to Eddie playing behind that... And that's why... It I, all works. That's why I, uh, I, I tend to prefer Van Hagar. Um, I, think, I think that Pound Cake is the best Van Halen song because that song Interesting. is a banger. That and Right Now, those two are... Uh, I do know you love right now. Right now, right, because I'm a sucker for uh, pianos. So, right now, somehow, when trying to introduce the Dead Daisies, we went on our Van Halen. We did, and I'm not even sure how that happened, but there is a brand new Dead Daisies album, and it's 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 pretty uh, this, this pretty good. This is such a good album. Now, for we we actually did a whole show, well, not a whole show, but we we talked about the Dead Daisies a few shows back, and. They're they're a super group. 
Now, they've pretty much got a different lineup every album. This band was put together by an Australian guy named David Lowey. I always want, or Lowey, I'm not sure because we don't do any research. <laughs> I always want to call him David Lowry because of the lead singer of Cracker, but that is not his name. It's David Lowey. And he is like a, he's an Australian business guy. And he put together this super group years ago. And I think their first album came out in 2013. Now, this album featured, I think it was this album. Well, this album definitely had Lock and Load, which is a great song. And Slash played on that. And they also had, yeah, this was the album that, that Richard Fortas and Dizzy Reed of Guns N' Roses fame played on. So as they went on, they, they kept changing lineups. Frank Ferrer, who is with Guns N' Roses now, he was with them for a while. They replaced him with Brian Titchy. Uh, later on, Richard Fortas left, and they replaced him. Well, actually, the lead singer on that first album... Not even sure who it was, but later on, um, John Karabi, who we remember from um, Motley Crue. Yes. When Vince wasn't in Motley Crue, John Karabi was the vocalist. So he did an album with the Dead Daisies. The current guitar player is Doug Aldrich, who also played with Whitesnake. And the current bass player and vocalist is the legendary Glenn Hughes. And we know him from Trapeze. We know him from Deep Purple. Just a killer voice. Um, before you go any further, I want to mention a little funny thing regarding the Dead Daisies. Before, uh, before we, I, I, this album was on my radar, and I've listened to it a couple, uh, listened to it, and I've been aware of them for however long uh, since I think we talked about them. I've always been aware of the name Dead Daisies, but I always get them. When you told me to listen to them, I got them mixed up with Tripping Daisy. Oh yeah, and so I was like, "Why? Way do you, different band. Why do you care about a Tripping Daisy album?" I was so confused, but then I listened to it. I was like, "This is not the band that had I Got a Girl," <laughs> and so I had to do my research to find who the heck Tripping Daisy was because I they're a band didn't remember from their the nineties. Yeah, and um, so yeah, uh, and they're a band, and you you know how I always confuse my my nineties bands. Yes, I always confuse them with the Toadies. I don't know any Toadie songs. You do because we saw them live a couple years ago. Um, Interesting. Although, as we say that, I can't remember what their big song was either. But there, there's a handful of those '90s bands oh, that I, I just confuse because, and and the the famous one is is the the Jimmy Eat World and Lit, which is is blasphemous. I, I can't tell them apart. Um, I just can't. The the ones the one that I can't ever get, and I don't even know if these bands like really sound similar because I don't know much about any of them, but they all have uh, E's in their name. It's Eve Six, Third Eye Blind, and Everclear. Yeah, and I don't know which. I I would throw Eve Six in the lit Jimmy World pile because that one song that they had that was a hit sounds exactly like. The, it, are they the one that was like? Um, I will swallow my pride. I will do it. Okay, no, it's not that song. What's the song that's like? I think. <laughs> um, what's the song? It's uh, it's one of those E bands. It's uh, the ones that's like, I would understand. Oh, yeah, yeah. That is, uh... oh, God. Is that Everclear? No, 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 it's not. Everclear is Father of then Mine. Then is it, is it Third Eye Blind then? It, it might not be it any of them. I don't, I don't know. I have seen Third Eye Blind live, and they were very disappointing. Which bummed me out because I dug their you know handful of songs, but they 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 were obviously a studio band, but whatever. There's lots of them. They decided to attempt Stairway to Heaven, <laughs> which I don't know who told them that that was a good idea. Like, do a Zeppelin cover, but do one that you can do vocally, and you know, make sure you can play it. <laughs> That's a that's a tall order for a band that yeah. can barely play their own songs. When we went to go see the Godsmack Rock Fest, yes, there was a couple '90s bands there. One of them was what's the Candle? Oh, Candlestick, Candlebox, Candlebox. Candlebox, and they're a great band. I would Ooh. never slag on them. I don't want to slag on them, but there was, I think, another band similar to Candlebox also there, or that was at a Wayback Point Fest that we also yeah, saw. It might that have been summer. a Wayback Point, and we also saw Candlebox at a Wayback Point Fest. Um, 
Because yeah. I, I get Candlebox mixed up with another band, but I don't remember that name, band off the top of my head. And we but. saw Candlebox years and years ago at one of those street festival things. And and you were probably five or six years old. They played one of those street festivals with possibly Puddle of Mud. <laughs> and I, I'm not sure about that, but I know Candlebox was there. And I've seen Candlebox a few times now, and they're... You know they've they've been at it for almost thirty years now, and they sound great. Yeah, Kevin I, Martin's a great. When we singer. saw them, I had no no nothing against them. The other, and then, then I'll let you get back to the Dead Daisies here after this. But uh, the last one, and I don't think they really sound alike because I also know min, min, nothing about them. But uh, Live and Fuel, for whatever reason, I can see that. I I played a lot of Live on the radio back in the day, so I can tell those two apart. Actually, I can I, I can tell them apart just because I don't know any Fuel songs. Um, but I know several live songs, and I've seen live many, many times. And I think part of it's because Live and Fuel are both on a festival. Like the, they were on the first Wayback Point yeah. Fest together, and they've got those generic names. And, and yeah, the one syllable name. So I played the the nineties was such an era of one hit wonders. Yes, and that's also when I was working at a rock station that played all of those one hit wonders. So there were so many bands that. They they literally just had that one hit, and a lot of them were great bands. And if you dug deeper into the CD, you would be like, "Oh wow, these these guys are really good." That's um, but you know that's just how the music business works. You get the one single, and then then they you know quote unquote disappear. I've kind of always I've never done it, but I've always wanted to d- dive deeper into Local H because um, right, I'm a big fan of their hit song "High Fiving MF." <laughs> That was an inside joke. Bound it is. For, do, bound, not, do not tweet us about yeah. that. <laughs> but Bound for the Floor, I think, is like one of my favorite, I don't want to say songs from the 90s because like November Rain, but uh, one of my, of that of that group of one hit wonders, kind of that grungy 90s sound. Um, I think Local H is probably, if I had to pick one of them to be my favorite, because um, I when we saw them, they were awesome. And I they wanted, really were. Lots I do want to get more into them. Especially for, you know, two-piece. Speaking of two pieces, I know we keep going down rabbit holes and, and get away from our subject, but that's all right. This is our podcast. Um, Royal Blood is going to have an album coming yes, out very soon, so I keep an eye for that. But yeah, those and this is honestly a topic, I think, for a whole episode of a podcast. There there are radio stations that, that go back and play those 90s one hits because, you know, all those people are at the age where they just want to hear their songs from high school and college over and over and over again. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of them just don't stand up. And I'll hear someone, I'll be like, oh, okay, that was a fun song in 1995, but now it's kind of dumb. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, I don't personally have that because I didn't have the... Uh... Actually, no, I'll... I'll. And that's why I can't remember who did what. Um, I kind of... I, I think that's uh, my generation's version of that is like early 2000s new metal. Um, yeah, I can not see all that. Of, like, like not all of them, but like your traps, your PODs. Right, right. Your, I can't uh, tell any of those bands apart either. What's the saliva? Right. Um, Drowning pool. Like those bands. Um, because those songs are. I don't want to say bad, but like headstrong. That was like a big part of my childhood. That's not that great of a song. They all kind of just ran together. Yeah, it's it's they're and they're fine songs. They, they but yeah. Um, so I, I would say. That's uh, that's my generation. Well, a band that I don't think sounds like anybody else is the Dead Daisies, and that's because they change their lineup every album. (laughs) But this current lineup they have with Glenn Hughes on lead vocals and Doug Aldrich playing guitar, this is is a killer album. This is, I'm going to say, 10 really strong tracks, only because track 11, Far Away, is a ballad, and I don't have anything against ballads. I love them. I just didn't really love this one. So I'm, I'm, you know, whatever. The first single off this that came out a couple of months ago was Bustle and Flow. It's track four on this one. Uh, it opens with a song called Holy Ground, which and is I, the title track. Um, that was also a second uh, a second um, single that they released, so that one's been out a little bit longer. That song is really good. Yeah, it's a killer um, tune. Great way to open an album. Track two, like no other, it's got that that awesome Glenn Hughes bass line. You know, the, the the man's just a master musician. It's 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 really a bummer that I mean Glenn Hughes, he's been super successful and and you know rock fans know who he is, 
but it's a real shame that he didn't become like a superstar. Yeah. Because I mean the man's God, he's he's gotta be late sixties, possibly even seventy at this point, and still sings his ass off. Still looks like a rock star. So yeah, it's just kind of a bummer that he didn't become even bigger than he is. They do a, a cover of the Humble Pie song, 30 Days in the Hole. Which, um, I'm speaking to the original version, that's a classic song, but I'm not like a, I don't really vibe with that song that much. It kind of <laughs> bothers me. Um, Interesting. So, yeah. I, I will chalk that up as to the only Peter Frampton song that I can tolerate. Interesting. Yeah, he was he was of course in Humble Pie, and I and I'm gonna I'll I'll be honest. I think part of it's because it's uh it's featured on the classic rock station in Grand Theft Auto Five, <laughs> and um so I've heard it a lot of times when I'm like driving a helicopter, flying I a helicopter. Think it's and- interesting that a lot of your musical tastes have been shaped by the radio station on Grand Theft Auto. It it's I. I you have some weird songs that you like. I do. Um because of that video game. They ha- they yeah, um they have at least they've added more, but whenever when I was playing like a lot and a few years ago, they had three radio stations. That one of them was a classic rock one, one of them was a more alternative one, and one of them was like a straight punk one. So like and it was interesting cuz this is a game that came out in 2013, but it's been relevant for the last 7 years, but it there's suicidal tendencies on it. There's uh, the adolescents. There's um, the descendants. A lot of those punk bands. And then there's Kenny Loggins. There's um, Julian Lennon. Um, when we saw Royal Blood, the opening band, then do you, I don't know if you remember them, Bassdrum of Death. I do. They have a song on one of the radio stations, so I was aware of that song. It, it is it is interesting because they have a a really diverse uh, soundtrack. But yeah. Um, 30 Days in the Hole was on that. Well, most famously that that I tease you for often, you became a fan of Kenny Loggins through this game. I just like Danger Zone. People worry about the violence that kids pick up in video games. They really need to worry about their kids becoming Kenny Loggins fans. I I don't want to go too deep on a tangent, but I'll explain this to you. There is a, a, a level that you can do with your friends. It involves you going onto a, what are those, um... Those like uh, little air bases that are on the water. What are those called? Uh, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, aircraft. Carriers. Aircraft carriers. Yes, it was an. Air- you have to go in an aircraft carrier to steal a plane. Um, so then one of your guys steals a plane, then three others steal a different uh, three other planes, and then you have to like fly off basically and escape. And then once you, I don't know if it starts playing when enemies start coming or after you kill them all. But then Danger Zone starts playing. It's like it's it's programmed <laughs> into the game that every time at this point your station puts onto the rock station and Danger Zone starts playing. And it's awesome. And you'd think they could have come up with a better song to, to play along with that. It's Danger Zone. Um and the other one that bothers you is uh, Circle is in the Sand by Belinda Carlisle. Oh, I love God. that song. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with that game. All right, so we're going to bring this to a close. We're going to bring it to a close. Go out there and get the new Dead Daisies. It's called Holy Ground. It's a great album. The album cover is awesome. The album cover, their their album covers are always awesome. Let me see if I can pull those other ones up real quick because they have fantastic album covers. And they have a cool name, like I said. Uh, once, they do, yeah. Once I stop getting them confused with Tripping Daisy. Now, the, the, the cynical person in me, because they were started by a man who's most mostly a businessman, the cynical side of me is just that this guy is putting together this project with a whole marketing team and, and they're all just off finding, you know, musicians to be on every album, whatever. Who knows? Who cares? This is a, this is a really good band, no matter what their lineup is. They've got, looks like including EPs and live albums. They're up to, they're up to eight releases now. So do check them out. If you've never heard of them, the dead daisies also check out painted wives, a band out of Los Angeles Hopefully they get to go on tour. Hopefully everybody gets to go on tour. But the Painted Wives, their new album is called New Medusa. It came out just a couple weeks ago, and it is a good one as well. So if you want to yell at us, don't do it on Twitter. Email us. It's the way of rock at gmail.com. If you do want to yell at us on Twitter, it's at it's the way of rock. 
That's the same handle we use on Instagram and Facebook. I'll be honest, we're mostly active on Instagram, but I do check in on the other ones. It's the way of rock.com. You can go there, listen to every episode of the podcast, and also shop for t-shirts. We've got a handful of t-shirts for sale at it's the way of rock.com. We want to thank our friends over at the Rock Matters podcast. See them at itchrocks or itchrocks.com. And our friends over at the Rock Savages podcast, it's Rock Savage Pod on Twitter. I believe they're on Instagram as well. So give those podcasts a listen, and we're going to wrap this one up. Jack, enjoy this semester of university. Uh, one more thing before we go. Yes. One last parting thought. I did some research um, of the second C band that I was thinking of. It's Candlebox and Collective Soul. Collective Soul, they they're both, another good band. They're not a one-hit wonder. They were both on that uh, Rockfest 2017. Yeah. And also looking at this, do you know who else was on that lineup that we didn't see? A band that we've talked about a few times called Crobot. Yeah, yeah, we've, we've talked about that. In fact, that they, they played like at nine in the morning or something. Yeah, we we were able to we we missed it because right. we had to drive a whole bunch. But yeah, yeah, it would have been cool to see Crowbot at nine in the morning. It would be early in on that. I, I, yeah, I, we got there right as Candlebox was like in the middle of their set, and then uh, Zach Sabbath, Zach Sabbath. played because we missed Tom Kiefer of Cinderella too, and I really really wanted to see Tom Kiefer of Cinderella. And then we uh then we got um. We got treated with rat. I was going to say, <laughs> before we got treated with rat, we got treated with buck cherry. Yeah, you know, I still dig buck cherry. <laughs> that would be a tour, rat and buck cherry. Make, <laughs> make that happen. If that went to Pops, we might have to just go to it for the I would go to that it. show. I would definitely go to that Rat's show. Rat's not bad. Rat's then, fun. Then, nor is buck cherry. Buck cherry's terrible live, though. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, they're, they're not a good... And, I mean, they're, they're weird live. They don't sound good, but they bring the energy. Yeah, they also bring uh, what's his name, Josh Todd. <laughs> he's also in the way when you're trying to set up the stage for Buck Cherry. Yeah, he, he's he's not aware. But <laughs> I've seen I've seen Rat I guess three times now because we saw them last summer. I saw them way back in the '80s, way back in the '80s. And this here's a bill for you. Rat was the headliner. Opening up was Poison on their very first tour, and Joan Jett. Now, Joan Jett's a legend, and I'll go see her at any time, and I've seen her many, many times. I love Joan Jett. There's never anything wrong with Joan Jett. Poison, I knew even in 1986 that they were a joke, and we treated them as such while we watched them live, and we just got through it. And then Rat came out, and we were all big Rat fans at the time, but they they just they were never a good live band. They I don't and and now that we've seen them a couple times in the last couple years. I'm convinced that they're singing the track. They that's have to be. Yeah, that's possible. But whatever. Their songs are fun. If they're just a studio band, so be it. Their songs are fun, and so are Buck Cherries. So I would go to that at Pops. Okay. <laughs> now we need to get that tour together. Have we, have we reached the end? We have reached the end. All right. Before we Before we anger any other bands that might hear anger this. Anger any other bands or go on another 30-minute-long uh, tangent. All right. Enjoy university. We'll do this again in a couple of weeks via Zoom. Everybody, thanks for listening. Have a good one.